Hello and welcome to AutoLine This Week, where we're going to be talking about the latest cars that are coming out, or at least the latest cars in Europe, that is, because going on behind me is the 2013 Frankfurt Auto Show. I've got all kinds of interviews coming up with some of the top executives in the business, as well as some of the top designers, talking about design, of course, and the new technology in their cars, and we've got all that coming right up, right after this. Underwriting for Auto Line this week has been provided by. In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. Julian Thompson is the head of advanced design at Jaguar, and boy, have you dropped a bombshell of an announcement at the Frankfurt Motor Show. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, we're very pleased with this, and it's uh, just an indication of the sort of great stuff that you can see from Jaguar coming up in the future. What we're showing you right now is the CX-17 concept car from Jaguar, and this has been highly controversial, at least amongst us in the media, because Jaguar is doing a crossover. Never been done in the history of the brand, and of course, some people think maybe it bumps up against Land Rover, your, your sister brand, but I'm sure you do not see it that way. No, we, we, you know, we've got a, a unique set of values uh, in, with the Jaguar brand about cars, which are Beautiful to look at, fantastic to drive, very agile, very dynamic, and cars you fall in love with. And, you know, crossovers are very, very important. Sports crossovers, particularly, are a huge sector of the market. And, you know, that's what our customers want. They're growing all over the world. is a great uh, fan base for our, for our fantastic brand. So this is a car we, we think our future customers are going to really love. Julian, you must love the fact that being a designer, you're being given the task of doing something no one at Jaguar has ever done before. Walk us through a little bit of your thought process of how you approach doing a crossover for this brand. It's been, it's been a big challenge for us as well. It's a totally different type of car, you know. We do beautiful sports sedans, beautiful sports cars. Really, you know, we take this segment and we really got to think about how we can turn those values of just beautiful proportions, purity of lines, elegance, the sense of sophistication and glamour, how we can bring that. You know, we're not allowed to change the rules. We have to make sure we can make our Jaguar rules, our design language fit in all types of cars. And so that's been our challenge, and we hope we've uh, done a pretty good job with it. I, I would say so. And you've given this a muscular look to it. And it, even though it's a crossover, not a pure SUV, you've given it more the look of an SUV, especially with those grayed-out rocker panels that make the car look like it's standing up taller. Yeah, I mean, a Jaguar should always look the sportiest car to own and to, uh, to see on the street, you know. Our cars are about driving, about dynamics, about performance, and they're like looking beautiful. So we pay a great deal of attention to the proportions of the vehicle, a very short front overhang, a long bonnet, the wheels pitched out, you know, this this shoulder, this muscularity, but really plants the car on the road. Very, very important. If it's to be a Jaguar, it's got to have that, all our other cars do. We've got to have this sense of poise, which is so uh, important to us. The interior as well. This doesn't look like any of the other Jaguars that are out there. What's your thinking in the new instrument panel and the interior of the vehicle? Jaguars are always about beautiful craftsmanship. You know, this sense of artistry, this love goes into the design of them. So we use the finest natural materials, but also pay a great deal of attention to the actual lines and, and forms as much as we do for the exterior of the car. And so we want this elegance. We want this. We want to really make out this car has been designed by proper design is drawing stuff. It's not done on a computer. So every line used to have a look at human touch about it. 
And of course, Tata owns both Jaguar and Land Rover. Did you have to consult with the Land Rover people? Or did they have any input of saying, oh, don't, don't go too near the way our vehicles look? No, we did two design teams. I mean, we're friends, but we try to keep them totally separate. You know, we are different entities, different brand values. You know, we have, a, we have uh, each has their own in-house job to do. Of course, if one crossover is successful for Jaguar, can we expect that there might be others, maybe something smaller than this somewhere in the future? I can't possibly comment on that, you know, but you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, with our new architecture, the possibilities are endless, really, in terms of what we can do. We can deliver great proportions, great driving cars, beautiful cars, you know, the sky's the limit. But this is a platform, right? A new platform that could see other variants come off it. It's a new architecture, and it really does give us a basis going forward in the future to, you know, imagination's your only limit. So we can expect lots of fantastic vehicles from Jaguar in the future. All right, but we can. And I got to believe that the, the public's reaction to this has been fantastic. I mean, your, your press conference ended some time ago, and we had to fight our way through the crowd to get up here. Yeah, I think it's a great-looking car, but it's also a car which people relate to as well. You know, they want this thing on their drive, and, you know, that's, what, that's the message we're getting loud and clear, and that's what we love to hear. Very good. Julian Thompson, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Alfonso Albaisa is the design director for Infinity, and, and a new one at that. When were you appointed to that position, Alfonso? April. In April, April yeah. And... Uh, and now you've got this fantastic car that you're showing off at the Frankfurt Motor Show. Tell us a little bit about this and what you hope to do with the design at Infinity. Oh, great. Uh, about the Q30 concept first, um, we wanted, of course, to go into a new area. So we've always you know, had Q50s and this type of car. We've never really played in this slightly smaller entry segment. So the, the dilemma for us was, okay, how do we go in? So for us, we, we created this very sleek silhouette but it's kind of shifted rearward, a kind of seductive pose, which we really thought was quite sexy. And then on top of that, we wanted to keep this long hood that Infinity has. So we, we elongated elements like this that come around, but on Q30, it flips up and it creates a more spontaneous uh, expression of sculpture. And we felt, well, this is more in line with maybe below Q50 type form language. So. And a lot of action, a lot of, a lot of curvature in this design that you've got. What, what's your thinking behind that? Oh, I love, uh, I love turbulence, to be honest. And uh, when I saw the first sketches for this car, it had this weird, like a horizontal tornado or tumbling feeling of the, the darks are wide and then they condense, they seem squeezed, but then they open up. This kind of fluidity, a sense of rarity, like the hand of the artist, uh, honestly, this is what you're going to see on a lot of our cars because, uh, honestly, I'm a shaped guy, so uh, I love sculpture. And I love this little uh, chrome piece uh, back here on the car that uh, I'm seeing, whoops, uh, I opened it accidentally. This is a piece that I'm starting to see in different shapes on, on different cars. Yes, we have the, this is the crescent moon uh, cut, and we call it crescent cut, but it's inspired by that last moment of the moon before it goes dark, which I find to be a very beautiful, poetic thing. But on uh, Q30, we've gone more 3D on it. So the, the crescent cut actually creates this bending shape, which then creates this really quite cool rear area of the car, which is quite wide and dynamic presence. So, uh, you know, for us, is we want sculpture to be a big statement. It's not just a pulling of shape. It's two shapes colliding, 
or a graphic creating the sculpture. So it creates a bit more of a holistic impression. How do you get into all these shapes and lines and, and yet make sure that you don't make the design too busy? Now, that's the, the issue because uh, for us, Infinity has a harmony. It's a very natural expression. So for me personally, I never like to play with more than two major intersections. And uh, to allow that, that line to read as the dominant, quite naturally executed. And we tend not to put a lot of detail. So we stay minimal, but uh, with big passionate shape. And tell me a bit about the interior too, because clearly it's as expressive as the exterior design. And this was one of the, actually the most new ground for us because uh, we have always played with this dissymmetry in our cars in essence and uh, Q50 has asymmetrical center console. But those cars, the package is so different. This instrument panel is more vertical. So we had a much more connected to the volume sense. So we moved graphically the colors so that the movement is asymmetrical, but you feel quite close to the volumes. It's, has been a very rewarding experience because it's not a package we we play with normally so it kind of it signals the new infinity alfonso i gotta believe you're having a lot of fun infinity's a brand that's been around for quite a while now but it hasn't quite broken into the big ranks as it were you've got the chance to do that with design now yeah i'm quite honored and it's of course a huge responsibility but uh it's a great brand it's a kind of a black sheep in a sense. Uh, we've made cars that you know, are head turners. And uh, we're going to you know, pick and choose the cars that inspire us and we take things further. And we're also going to be bringing a lot of very, very cool stuff. So uh, please stay tuned to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there's a, a trick to making sure that this is clearly a Japanese luxury brand, but you've got it at the German show. The best sales for the brand are in the United States. Very interesting collection of different cultures that you've got to take into consideration. Uh, this is, a, you know, historically, Infinity, as you have said, it was a kind of U.S. brand. It was always Japanese, but most of our sales are, were in the United States. But uh, we're going much more global. Cars like this, which are very European, that in package, we, we want to explore this because we're global. We're a global company. Our ideas of seduction are global. And so uh, very much I'm excited to how do we create and expand and celebrate Infinity DNA that it kind of has a global, global focus. Real good. I can't wait to keep watch on what else you come out with. Alfonso, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Michael Maurer is the head of design at Porsche, one of the most coveted jobs in the automotive industry with this beautiful new prototype, actually not prototype, new car coming out, the 918 Spider. Michael, tell us a little bit about this car. Yeah, this 918 project is basically for a design on this once-in-a-lifetime project. Three years ago, we just did a concept car. Doing a concept car for a designer, you have all the freedom, so that was a dream job. Seeing the car three years later as a production car which basically has not changed from the concept. I mean, this is a dream for a designer that comes true. That's got to be, because clearly when you do a concept car, you can do whatever you want, but to manufacture it, sometimes compromises have to be made. You must have been thinking about the manufacturing part as you did the concept car. Yeah, I mean, when we did the concept car uh, at Porsche, we always take into consideration that it could become a production car. So we had a lot of freedom, but not unlimited freedom so we always thought about if it becomes a concept car we have to be very close to reality in order to have minimal changes for the production version 
Michael, tell us a little bit about this, because this car has brilliant performance. It's unbelievable, unlike anything Porsche has done before. Yeah, I mean, uh, for us it was at that time when the idea started, a lot of people questioned the future of sports cars and of the Porsche brand becoming part of the concern, Volkswagen concern. With this car we wanted to show there is no contradiction between env environmental thinking and sports cars. So the task was very clear to come up with the concept and for a designer we had the job to visualize this. Uh, let's say, combination of uh, contradiction that everybody believed you can't bring together. And explain to the audience a little bit about this if they don't know about it. It's, it's a hybrid, but boy, what a hybrid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is basically, you could say, the, the future of hybrid. So it's uh, a hybrid. Um, before hybrid cars were, let's say, um, uh, considered as uh, cars that are not so emotional, not so much fun to drive. For the Porsche brand, we just said we have to bring the hybrid thing really to another level. And combining the electrical performance and the performance of the combustion engine and the, the, the performance and then the driving experience was for myself maybe two years ago in the first prototype. I mean, I've never experienced anything else before. Hey, you've got another car here, the, the 911 Turbo. Let's let's take a look at that. But of course, I, I want to mention that, uh, as you well know, uh, Ferdinand Porsche, the first cars he ever designed over a hundred years ago were all hybrids. Yeah, I mean, this is so nice that we at the Porsche brand really have this connection that the founder of the company was already so deep into this technology, which now seems to rule the future. So this is so fantastic to work in a company with a brand that has this uh, history. Okay, now let's talk about this 911 Turbo that we see here. It's a very clean looking design, even though it's it's the Turbo, it doesn't have all kinds of scoops and wings, and of course it does have yeah. a wing, but you've kept this a very clean looking car. Yeah, I mean, this is really, when we started the project again, I mean, there was a lot of discussion in this uh, competitive environment uh, where you have a lot of very expressive cars we said what should be the 911 turbo especially the s which is a super sports car i just drove with one from stuttgart to frankfurt it has almost too much power but we said we try to keep it uh, silent um, a little bit more humble uh, but as you said i mean uh, you can't ignore uh, the aerodynamics and stuff like this so we need a small wing. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way you put it, it almost has too much power because in our book I'm sure there's no yeah. such thing as too much. Yeah, but before I always said on, on the 911 turbos I drove before, I always thought sometimes German Autobahn, you know, no speed limit, I thought oh, a little bit more would be nice. This time I thought, oh my gosh, uh, this is definitely enough. <laughs> So it is amazing, the, the, the acceleration, I mean, you're driving 300 kilometers per hour uh, just like this. I mean, people used to ask me, oh, where can you drive this with the traffic you have in Germany? So every time, every day. <laughs> I wish we could do that back in the States. Well, I guess we can, but maybe not legally. Yeah, um, <laughs> you might be in trouble later. That's right. Michael Maurer, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. been very interesting seeing the 918 and the 911 Turbo. Thank you very much for being here and sharing uh, these beautiful cars with us. Thank you. 
Ian Robertson is the board member at BMW in charge of sales and marketing, and it's great to see you here at the Frankfurt Show. Always great to be here. It's a great show. Behind us here, you've got this beautiful 4 Series Coupe. Tell the audience a little bit about this car. You know, this is the out of the current generation. We move on now, and of course, the 4 Series got a new number because it is a very different product. It's the 3 Series sedan, quintessentially the sports saloon. But this, of course, is the sports coupe. And uh, we decided that this time around, we would actually put a new number on it, so it became the 4 Series. And of course, this car is just launching in the American market. Give us a little bit about the car and where it's priced. You know, it'll be competitively priced. Clearly, we have a lot of new engines. And of course, we've got uh, much better fuel economy, much better CO2 than the previous generation. And of course, all of the advantages of connected drive and everything else you'd expect out of a 3 Series or a 4 Series. You've named this the 4 Series. As you mentioned, it's a very different car. But does that create confusion, adding yet another model name? No, I don't think so. And I think if you look back over the last few years that we've been creating new niches all the way through the last decade, decade and a half. And they've all been very successful. So I think the 4 Series will start a new era. It's a new position for us. And I think something that uh, the customers will uh, warm to very, very quickly. And of course, here at the Frankfurt Show, the biggest news, I would say, is your new electric and hybrid electric cars. The i3 pure electric, the i8, which is a sensational looking car. Can we go take a look at that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the i3 we showed, first of all, um, about six weeks ago now. So we launched it in New York, uh, in London and in Beijing simultaneously. I think uh, that went really well. The car is already now picking up an awful lot of uh, test drives. And we're very, very confident that this will really make a difference in the electric car market. The i3, of course, very much looks the city car that it is. The i8, on the other hand, boy, does this look like a BMW, very dramatically styled. You know, this this is a car with effectively no conscience for anyone. You know, it's quintessentially a fantastic piece of design, carbon fiber technology, lightweight, a three-cylinder high-performance engine, as well as, of course, an electric motor, effectively electric on the front, uh, combustion engine on the rear. It's a four-wheel drive, and it's a brand shaper for the whole group. Now, you mentioned high-performance engine. This is a hybrid electric, and yet you're talking about very high-performance levels of it. Spit out a few performance <laughs> sp- statistics here, Ian. You know, it's well over 400 horsepower, and as I said, you know, you're effectively getting four-wheel drive at that, and uh, not to, uh, to 60 in around four and a half seconds. So, again, very, very uh, credible performance. And then when you look at the CO2 statistics, you know, they're much, much lower than you'd find in a very small compact car. In fact, about 50% you'd find in a compact car. And uh, can you give us any indication of where this car might be priced? Well, you know, we haven't announced the pricing yet, but this car is in the super sports bracket. So uh, I think you can feel uh, where the numbers will be. It'll be over six figures. You're, of course, creating a whole new brand, the i brand, BMW i. You've got the i3, the Mm -hmm. i8. Mm -hmm. I would think that you might want a few more models for that brand. Can you tell us anything about future plans with this? You know... We we went into this uh, very clearly to have a family of products. Uh, We decided that we wanted two bookends, and I think with the i3 and the i8, you have a bookend. You have an urban car here, and, of course, you have the the i8 uh, in terms of the sports car that we just talked about. In between, I think there is lots more potential. Um, We're thinking about many, many other ideas, but it would be fair to say that at this moment in time, we're concentrated on launching these two vehicles, developing the marketplace, and in time, you'll see more. Of course, crossovers are the hottest segment the world over. One would think that it might be natural to have a crossover come into the iBrand. 
Well, you know, we carved out the, the crossover SAV segment with the X5 uh, around about 12 years ago now. Um, we've shown the third generation X5 today. Uh, it is also coming now with a hybrid drive, and uh, so you will also see lots of technology that's coming out of these vehicles moving into the more mainstream products as we launch more and more products in the years to come. The electric car hasn't quite caught on like many in the industry thought. What are your thoughts about this now that we're several years into electrics being on the market and especially the outlook for these eyes? You know, I think we're at somewhat of a tipping point. I think you know, there are some uh, cars on the market at the moment that maybe don't tick all the boxes. Um, we thought uh, we had to start with a fresh, clean piece of paper. We have uh, carbon fiber structure here to offset the weight of a heavy battery pack to give you the sporty dynamic and, of course, great design. But if you looked at the data, in 2010, there were about 7,000 electric cars sold. This year, maybe 150, 170,000. This is a multiplier of significant magnitude now. I think we will see now, as the market matures somewhat in the next few years, another big step upwards. And we're intent on playing a very significant part in that. Very good. Ian Robertson, thanks so much for your time at the Frankfurt Show. Always a pleasure. Ken Sayward is the head of design for Mazda North America, and they've got a very important car that they're introducing at the Frankfurt Show, the new Mazda 3. Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about this car, and especially since you're head of design, the design aspects sure, of it. absolutely, I would love to. Well, first off, the new Mazda 3 represents the latest in Kodo design for us. It's our newest product, and we have overall Kodo design language that you saw previously in the CX-5 and in the Mazda 6, and now you're seeing it now in the new Mazda 3. I think your first impression when you walk up upon the car is it feels like it's moving while it's standing still. It really has an aggressive stance to it. That's part of what Kodo design is. Kodo design is really three elements. It's speed, tension, and allure. And when you walk up to the car, the first thing you notice is the proportion of the car. It sits really well. It's got a very nice balance to it. It feels very planted on its wheels. It also feels like the car is, going, is moving while it's standing still. The second element of Kodo design is what we call tension. And that's really the key lines of the car. The fender lines, the hood line, the main line coming off the grille as it rolls to the back of the car. The strong rear shoulder line as well. And that's the key elements we call tension. And the third key element of, of all of our Kodo designs what we call allure and allure is really the details when we talk about details we're talking about the front face of the vehicle or the grill of the vehicle you can see in the headlights the, the dynamics of the headlights and the detailing in the headlights also when you look at the grill you can see the grill isn't just a graphic on the car but it's part of the overall form of the front end of the car and so these are the little details that bring when you when you stand far away from the car you see the basic forms as you get closer to the car you see the line and the tension and the movement and as you get up close to the car you see the allure or the detail elements of the car that really give the car that that premium feel that class above feel Let's take a look at the interior as well, because I'm sure you've got a story to tell in that as well. Absolutely. I mean, as much as en effort and energy as we put into the exterior design, same amount of time goes into the interior design. I think the first thing you'll notice when you look at the interior of the car is the decoupled information infotainment display, and that's unique. This is unique in the segment from Mazda. As well, we've, the car features a heads-up display. We've got carbon-like interior 
trim panels. You can see if you, as you move through the interior, we've got very high quality piano black center trim. We've got a jewel-like instrument cluster in the center. Um, the overall idea of the interior is obviously to make it feel bigger than it is, a little bit more airy for the st st basic shape that you've got of the car, but also really a premium feel to it. And it, everything in the interior is like class above feel from a material standpoint. Ken, uh, this is a five-door hatchback. Hatches, of course, are very popular in Europe and elsewhere in the world. Yet you've got a sedan version over here that looks pretty terrific, too, and usually that doesn't come off as well. We, uh, we agree. We think the sedan looks as good in a lot of ways from different angles, as good or better than the five-door. Both cars are gorgeous. I think, to your point, in the United States and North America, sedans sell better than five-doors. So I think we've got, a great, we've got a great vehicle for that buyer in North America, and the five-door is a great-looking vehicle for people in the rest of the world as well as we've got a good market in North America for that as well. And that's not easy to do because the hatch, of course, dictates different structure inside the car. Usually that leaves uh, you know, the hood different than what you see on the, the sedan or even the door shapes. And, and, and this, boy, you guys must have really planned this out to pull this off. Well, obviously a lot of planning goes into it, but what we've done is we've carried over a lot of the, the front of the car all the way to the rear door. The only thing unique is the roof and the rear structure for the, for, the, for the trunk area. And so what we've managed to do when you walk around the car from a front three-quarter angle, you re really can't tell that it's a five-door when you're standing at it from the front three-quarter. And that's what gives the car, I think, the really strong dynamics, is when you look at the car from the front three-quarter and you can't really tell that it's actually a five-door. But if you walk around the car, the car's got a great proportion to it. It's got a high deck, obviously good for aero, but it's also got a really clean shape. We, again, we talked about the allure on the five-door, the detailing and the lights. You see that in the taillights on this car as well. You talked about Kodo design. Explain a little bit. What's the spelling on that and, and why the name? Mazda always names its styling we, we always, theme. We always have a design philosophy. It's kind, of the, it's kind of the foundation of all of our designs. Kodo basically means soul of motion. And what that is, again, what you're, when you look at the design, the car feels like it's moving. It's got energy from the inside coming out. And, it, and basically, Kodo, as I mentioned earlier, consists of three key elements, speed, tension, and allure. And we capture that in basically all the shapes of the car, basically the way car sits on its wheels, the overall proportions, and the key lines and details of the car. Real good. Ken Sayward, thanks good. so much for walking us through Mazda Design. You covered everything there in a short amount of time. You're quite welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Underwriting for Auto Line this week has been provided by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show, especially getting a sneak peek at some of the future technology and product that's going to be coming out. Some of it only available in the European market. Some of it going to be available in the States in just a matter of months. That's how the global automotive industry goes. But anyway, that wraps up today's show. And please join us again for another episode of AutoLine this week.